Hi, I'm Bryce, and I'm ready to preach. Hi, I'm Casey, and I am ready to preach. Hi, I'm Patty, and I'm ready to preach. Hi, I'm Mark, and I'm ready to preach. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that you have given us, God. We ask that you send your Holy Spirit into this place, fill our mouths and fill our minds with your words, God. We ask that you use these words that you have given us, God, to edify and to lift up the people in your name, God. We ask that you move like you've never moved before, God. We are calling, we're calling out today on you, asking us, or asking you to help us spread the gospel, teaching them to observe all the things you have taught us, God. We ask that you baptize them with your Holy Spirit today, and we ask in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Welcome back, family. You have reached the Ready to Preach podcast. We are so grateful that you guys have joined in with us tonight. We are just here down in our studio doing our thing. It's a wonderful Tuesday night. Um, we've actually been recording on Monday nights due to some some unforeseen circumstances, but Tuesday night feels so much better. So much better. Yes, One, it I does. can agree with that a hundred percent. I just feel so much more like awake and alert, ready to ready to talk. Look, I'm a different person on Tuesdays than I yes, am on Mondays. Me too. I feel like the weekend drains us out and then you try to add more to it. It just doesn't work very well. We've all, except for Patty, get our Diet Coke in us as well. So we're <laughs> we're ready to go. up and we're we're ready to go. So we're just gonna go around the table like we always do. Um I don't want to get into some sort of a schedule, but I feel like this is necessary to get it out. You know, and just kind of see how everyone's doing this week. Patty, how are you doing this week? I'm doing good. Um, I helped out with Saturday with a funeral at our church in Eau Claire, and that was nice to be a part of. And Sunday we had two services in Bangor, which was different, but it was good. Yeah. It was good. It's nice to not be in our same routine all the time. Right, get us out of the comfort zone. Yes. Mark? Yeah, it was definitely was a... Different week leading up to it, but it, everything went well. Even the fact that I got a microphone shoved in my hand. Uh, <laughs> on we Friday really twisted night. his arm. It was arm. really good. Yeah, work. it turned out well. Yeah. Well, if, if that was the case, <laughs> if you really twist my arm, how come it didn't work any other time? That's <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm saying. Mark really wanted the microphone. He just wanted to be pushed a little bit in the ass. He finally gave in. I'm shy. What can I say? <laughs> Which Stacy does not believe, but I I definitely am. <laughs> Casey, how's your week been? It's been interesting. You know, anytime there's a death, it's always bittersweet. You know, we're always going to miss Uncle Henry, regardless of what we know. But at the same time, you know, we know that he's in a better place. He's not physically ailed anymore. Absolutely. He's doing better. Um, It's just been a long week of going through all that and dealing with that, but it wasn't bad, I'd say. We had a good day Sunday. Yeah. I will say one thing that kind of pops in my head, you know, we always talk about when there's a passing, there's sadness. Right. And there's these tears and there's all that, but I think sometimes we overlook that there's a reason you have the sadness, there's a reason you have the tears, as there's all these memories that are good. If right. you didn't have those... It wouldn't have the other. So it's like the, the more that you feel for that, the more you can rely on. Remember, like you had all this other positive stuff that's going to outweigh it anyway. And we just kind of, I think sometimes we overlook that. Right. I think it's only one-sided and that's it. Good point. Good point. I don't think anybody ever actually asked Bryce how his week's doing. I think he just starts going with it. So yeah, Bryce, how was your week, Bryce? Your week, it's Bryce? been really good, actually. I, I mean, of course, obviously we had the funeral last week. On Saturday morning, and it was kind of an abrupt thing that just happened out of nowhere. Right. 
But I personally want to reach out to the Redemption Church family and say thank you. Absolutely. 100%. Um, thanks you know, for everybody. Yes. Uncle Henry was a part of Mark, myself, and Casey's family, more like more towards Casey, you know. But all of us are related in one way or another. And we just want to say thank you because there was an overwhelming amount of love, appreciation, help, support, care, kindness, you know. Um, they just wanted to help make sure, you know, because a lot of the times Aunt Sandy is a part of doing the the business end of the the meals and stuff like that, and she got to sit down and be served. That was so difficult for her. Oh, oh I know. Well, definitely. You, I guarantee you, she was not comfortable in that. She would have even probably still preferred, even with everything going on, to be the one back there. To be busy. Hands and everything. Right. And helping, but you so, need that sometimes to be the one that just kind of gets... Sat down. Right, to slow down and enjoy time with family, you know, mm-hmm. even as bittersweet as it might be to say goodbye for the last time. But here's the, well, say see you later, just like Jerry told us on, on Saturday. Absolutely. But with that all, it just brings into such a light of into my eyes that there's a big difference between what goes on at most churches and what goes on at ours. Yeah. There's a family group that we have kind of cultivated and it's big. It's so big, especially, you know, it's harder to realize when you're being the one who's giving out the care because it's it's a different from different perspectives. There's different from different situations, you know, but when you get to receive it, you understand why it's so, 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 so detrimental. And it's nice that you, you get around people where no matter how many people, like we have the board at the back saying, you know, 60 people this week or whatever, and... The people there aren't numbers. Right. They're members not just of the church, they're members of the family as a whole. Whether right. or not they're actually related by blood, right? they are still all a family. That's what I love you about know, our church. So wonderful. Not just trying to brag on us or anything, even though I am, because I love everybody and I'm thankful for everybody. But we're talking about worldviews this week yeah. as an extension of last week. And I really think that in that sense, we've really managed to grasp onto a Christian worldview. You know, we talked about it earlier with some other situations that some of the people that we go to church with, we have given them no reason to love us the way that they do. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, we're not related. We're not particularly close in a personal life, but still, you know, we always show up and show out for one another. The love is always felt. And that is, I feel like a big part of Christianity that people are missing. Absolutely. And just going along with that whole viewpoint thing, we have sort of put a lens over how we view everything, mm-hmm. and we have decided to put ourselves below and put ourselves behind, you know, and put everyone else in, not in front of us like we're amazing and we're doing this out of the kindness of our heart, but we're trying to show the love of Jesus to everyone like you're hurting. We understand that, but we know that if if hurt is on one, if you come together, it's halved. Right. And if joy is shared, it's, it's doubled. doubled. Right. I like the math of the doubled and the half a whole lot more than the way that most people <laughs> right. view things. Right. So that was just big for me, and it was kind of eye-opening, you know, to see that there's a good, good, good reason for all this stuff that we do. Right. There is a good—it's a good feeling to be loved and cared for in a time of need. Yeah, and that goes right along with Galatians 6, two, which says— Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. See, that's one thing that we have gotten, you know, kind of away from as 
I mean, if you if you're a Christian and you have some sort of a view that is not along with the Word of God, and I think it's important to build a basis of your Christianity with a view of the world through Christ's eyes, you know, the best of your ability through the Word of God, you know, align everything you have or align everything you do with the Word of God. That gives you a worldview of what Christ would have. And there's so many competing views, too. Everyone trying to say theirs is the right way. Right. And, like, one thing I found is that to go back with the little pyramid I made on here, that your worldview, think of it as the foundation. You know, it's what you build on. And then the things that you value are formed by the way you view the world. And then the way you behave is formed by the things that you value. So you can look at like what some of these other viewpoints of the world are is like, okay, this is how they're behaving. Well, they're behaving because these are the things they find important. Right. And they find these things important because this is how they view the world. Right. And that's why it's important to have a Christian worldview because you will find yourself, if you don't align with that worldview, you will fall into a different worldview and you'll be portraying something that is not a Christian. You know, Mark and I have been talking about this subject for the past little while here. And according to the internet, there's roughly seven different worldviews. But in my opinion, there's two. I would agree with that. There's. a biblical worldview. Right. There's a Christian worldview, and then there's not a Christian or just a secular worldview, I'll yeah. say. You know, in Matthew chapter 25, verse 33, and he says, He shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. That's separating the ones that are of Christ and separating the ones that are not of Christ. So you're either on his team or you're not, you know, or you're looking through his lens or you're not. So. And- Go yeah. ahead, Mark. Oh, and definitely. I, that we were looking over, like, and so I saw a good example about worldviews being, and specifically, in our case, we're going with a biblical or Christian worldview, is a worldview is a lot like a puzzle. Yeah. You've got all these little pieces, and the thing that can get confusing is some of these other views, they borrow bits and pieces from others. Right. So if you've ever tried to put together a puzzle, which I like puzzles. Yeah. If you get the pieces from a different one in there, they're not going to fit in right. They're not going to be able to go. Well, it's just like a lie, in my opinion. Essentially, it is. There's yeah. a, there's enough of the good in it to make it sound uh, appealing or appeasing to you. You know, you oh, that sounds pretty good. I can go along with it. But you read a little deeper and you go a little further into it, and you're like, this is so out of whack. It's not even funny. Like one of the ones we were looking up, everything was good and going until we got like we we're looking up. Some of the basic statements that of the Christian faith. Yeah. We got through one through three, we're perfectly fine. We got number four, first half was fine. Second half's like, whoa, 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 hold on a second here. That's we're gonna head back the other way on that one. Here's kind of my thought on that, what you were saying, Bryce. I think whenever people are taking bits and pieces from, you know, a Christian worldview or the right worldview and our belief. And really, that's the only truth there is anyways, so it doesn't matter if we believe it or not or if anybody else does for that matter. They're looking at that finished product on the front of the puzzle box and seeing how pretty and beautiful it is. They're seeing all the good things. Right. But as soon as they get to the point where there's a little bit of work to do, because I do not like puzzles, you cannot (laughs) find me, pay me to sit down and put a thousand little pieces together to try to get a picture. 
what sh- I feel like is the approach that some people take. They're like, well, I see all these good things that this brings forward, but I don't want to put in the work. So I'm just going to take what I want from it and kind of shove the rest of it to the side. Well, some of the worldviews that we looked at, you know, there was uh, polytheistic and naturalistic. It's exactly what you're saying. It's what you you don't have to do anything to be to fall into that category. Mm-hmm. You can just sit there and do nothing and be nothing and end up in the category with their worldview. Right. Just kind of gives you a place to fit in even though you haven't done anything, which there's the difference in Christianity. It takes work to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. You have day. you have to purposely Choose put on to do it. You have to purposely put the lens on it and say this person is not higher than this person. This one's not at the bottom of the of the chain, so to speak, and this one isn't a even though they're a high representative, I see them equally because they were all beloved of Christ. Uh, even my enemies were beloved of Christ. He died for all of them. You know, so you have to base that in its work. It is. It's a struggle every day. And especially when you see someone who's in need, you know, and you're like, okay, my Christianity or my Christian biblical background or viewpoint looks at it and says, that person needs help. I can help them. I have to. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things, you know, people that are viewed as undesirable through society and different worldviews, you know? Yeah. You look at somebody who's strung out and the person in you, the flesh in you wants to say, they're a drug addict, they're no good, they're never going to be any good. Right. But as a Christian, the Christian worldview, you have to look at them and say, that's God's child. They need my help. They need something. It's my job to go forward. The same way you look at like a CEO of a company and say, oh, they have it all together. Well, same way, that's God's child. They may need my help, and it's my job to help them regardless of their status, how our flesh wants to look at them or a worldview wants to look. And here's like, if you're curious of why we think that a worldview and having a biblical worldview is important, here's one little fact I found. 70% of youth who significantly are active in a youth group in their church or in a, a family situation like that, 70% are no longer in church in their 20s. Right. So there's 70% of the future that is already moving away from where they're supposed to go. So we're we got doing, 30% that have to fight that 70%. Well, we're doing something wrong if that's the case. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those numbers ain't good. No, we need to back it up a little bit, go back to the foundation of what we believe, establish that and then build off of that because Mark and I were talking about it. It says uh, 30, well, they're out of a hundred percent of Christians. There's this, say there's 30,000. That's the hundred percent we're working with. And 70% of them believe this as a true factual statement. It is a basis of what Christian and the other 30% don't. So, well, we need to recalculate are 100% now and take that 30% yeah. off, you know, because if you don't believe said things, and we're going to go into this here in just a second, uh, you can't be classified as a Christian. Yeah, yeah. and there, it, that number gets even smaller. So there's, depending on which list you look at, there's about anywhere from five to like 13, you know, core facts that you should believe as a Christian. And this poll that they put out, of people that say they're a Christian believe at least one of those statements. Right, which is astonishing to me, and that's what it made me think. Yeah. Only 19% believe them all. Wow. 
That's a huge difference. That's and, a big and, difference. Patty. And the average is they believe ten out of thirteen. Right. Instead of all, yeah. And obviously, we'd have to see this to understand that. But here's some that I have found. Here's five major Christian beliefs, like core things you believe as a Christian. Number one is the uniqueness of Jesus, meaning his virgin birth. You have to believe that if you don't, because if he's born of man, there has to be work of man, you know, but no, he's from God through Mary. Number two is there's one God in a trinity, which is kind of hard to wrap your mind around, but we're not called to be the not the most knowledgeable about no. all things. We just got to believe it. Mm-hmm. Number three is the necessity of the cross, meaning salvation. You have to have, the cross has to be there. Jesus has to die from it to get a salvation. The resurrection and the second coming are also foundational beliefs of Christianity. And then the next one is the inspiration of scripture by the Holy Spirit. If you cannot believe all those things, you cannot be a Christian. Those are pretty much... That's true. So that one's not too hard for me, I don't think. Those are are like the ABCs. And there's a couple others, but they all kind of fit in the same thing. Like even one of the guys I found, he found his five things. He had God, man, Jesus, cross, and resurrection. And he broke it down as God created man. Yep. Man gets in trouble. God sends Jesus to rescue man. Jesus, Jesus died on the cross to rescue men. And then Jesus was resurrected so that we can have a hope. So it's like there's not a step in that process that says it's okay if you don't believe me. You miss any one out of things like that, and you've missed the whole big picture. You've got that picture on the box, and you look down what you got on the table, and you're missing a piece here and there. Right. You don't get the whole picture. Well, it's like it's like what you're saying. The Bible says about the ten, about the Ten Commandments. If you break one of them, you've broken all of them. Yeah. If you don't believe in one point of, if you don't believe in Jesus's divinity, you don't believe you don't get salvation out of it. If you don't believe in his virgin birth, you can't get the resurrection. If you don't believe in the resurrection, you don't get the miracles he worked. You know, you got to get all of it to believe. You have to believe all of it, or you can't believe any of it. This might just be me because I've always been in church and I haven't really experienced the uh, outside perspective, but I feel like it's so much more work to try to fight against it than to just say, you know what, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, Jesus, I believe in you. I love you. I ask that you reveal yourself unto me, you know, help me grow. I've always heard it said, and it's kind of how I've come at it before. If we are doing this, living a good lifestyle, treating people right, loving each other, and serving God, and by some unfathomable reason we are wrong, and there really is nothing after death, which I don't believe, just as a hypothetical, what have we really lost by being good, being kind, loving people, doing our best to be good people? And when you're out here just absolutely refusing to believe something because you just want to do whatever you want with no consequences, if you're wrong, what have you lost? Everything. Everything. (laughs) Yeah. I tell people that a lot of times. He was like, let's look at it this way. If I live my life like the Bible says, and I'm wrong like she's saying, who have I hurt? Nobody. But now that goes back to saying that I can do that at my house. I don't have to go to church. Right. I can be good. Well, the Bible says not to fail to to assemble yourselves together either. Exactly. Right. Fail not. Exactly. But that's, that's what a lot of people think. And that then the, they don't have to assemble themselves. Yeah. And then the flip side of that is, if you live 
the way you feel is right and you're and wrong, you're wrong. Who have you hurt? Mm-hmm. Well, I just want to give you guys a little, you know, for not forewarning, but um, just reveal this to them. They're wrong. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. They're wrong. We have that figured out. But. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm strongly. I'm strongly opinionated in that. I believe 100 percent that Jesus was born of a virgin. Mm-hmm. I believe that the cross is necessary. Absolutely. I believe that there is one God and a Holy Spirit and a uh, Son of God. I believe that there's a Trinity, and then there's one God, three in one. I believe that. I believe that Jesus died, he was buried, and he resurrected, and I believe he's coming again. And I believe that the Holy Spirit inspired every scripture that is in the Bible. Absolutely. And I don't see how it's so difficult to believe that there is a creator and a God who loved you and created you, created humanity. And then even when you messed up, he loved you enough to come in the form of man and die a painful, sufferable death. Right. Just to bring you back. Why is that such a difficult thing to believe? I don't have enough faith to believe otherwise. Right. I you mean, know what I mean? If it, that's not the case, what's it all for? There's too much at at risk with that. There's so here here's something that I just found. It says pick one. A king, an inventor, or a preacher. Which do you think would leave the greatest mark on history? I can't answer because I got it right the first time when he mentioned it. Okay. Pick one, Patty. A king, an inventor, or a preacher, who would leave the greatest mark on history? A preacher. Who would leave the... I feel like I know what the right answer is. I'm going to go with a preacher, too. I'm probably wrong. It says, from a purely historical perspective, the most influential man in the history, or in all of history, was actually a traveling preacher. His name was Jesus. It says, consider this quote from H.G. Wells says, I am a historian. I am not a believer, but I must confess as a historian that that this penniless preacher from Nazareth was irrevocably, or irrevocably the very center of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all of history. Historians, philosophers, and world leaders have marveled at the impact that Jesus had on this world. And it goes on with a list of six different things that he impacted the world so greatly and cuz it goes totally against what the world says to do and all all against what God says to do in his word. He impacted it so greatly and I believe that he is the most impactful person in history. He's the only one that we ever debate about. Absolutely. We never debated about Buddha. We never debated about Muhammad? No. I heard a preacher the other day, and he said, when you're dead and gone, Jesus is still being talked about. That's what I was just going to say. You know, you look at all the other historical figures they talk about, Caesar Augustus or the king of Babylon, everything that they created and built and a part of, we don't see anymore. It's destroyed. It's fallen. It's not around yet. Here, Christianity is to this day. If there was no truth to it. Even take Rome. Right. Look at Rome and the Romans. They had a huge empire. Yeah. But one man left a bigger, bigger impact on history than the entire Roman cataclysm, or not cataclysm, but the Roman um, government and all of that. And you think about it, a lot of those others, what makes it to me make sense is a lot of those other figures are tied to a physical place or some other sort of physical thing. Right. And eventually that place gets broke down, gets eroded, gets done away with. 
And then we have that one who was not tied to any physical place. Right. It can't erode. It can't go away. You can't deface it. There's nothing you can do to it because you can't physically touch it. It's it's in the heart and in the mind. I believe Hebrew calls it a house not built by hands. Yep. So that's that's just some of the things that we're we wanted to come on here and put a basis of what we believe one hundred percent. And if you don't believe it, that if you don't believe these base um, undeniable facts about Jesus and about Christianity, you need to relook at your Christianity. Yeah, and most of the ones that we found, like I, I found this one site that broke down like four key areas that all of these different worldviews address, and looking at what they do. And the way they address these can kind of help you maybe reinforce in your mind what's right and what's wrong. They all deal with reality. They all deal with man. They all deal with truth. And they all deal with like a system of values or morals. But just the way they go about it is just so, so different. Right. And some of them are truly are, are truly out there. They're out there just... Go ahead and list some of the different worldviews that there are, Mark. Okay, so the one even, I, even though we've stated before, there's two. There's two, but here's some of the ones that the world has decided there are. Okay, so like there's naturalism, which the examples they give is atheism, agnosticism, things like that, and like the way they deal with reality is the material universe is all that exists. There's nothing else. It's it says reality is one dimensional. Yeah, there's no soul, no spirit. Anything that you can see can be explained by some sort of natural law. Natural occurrence, yeah. There's no there's no mystery. Okay, let's stop there for a second and just kind of go off what they think. They think that everything happened that we're looking at by two rocks smacking together, and it just happened. We I've were, shoved a couple of rocks together in my lifetime. Yeah, <laughs> the the most I've ever gotten out of doing that is a spark. Yeah, I say I got a third rock one time because it broke apart. But. <laughs> right, right. But you didn't create anything new. So here's you the thing too, and they new. they say that everything happens naturally, and they use the word by chance. If you look around, you can't tell me that this. Even just even just the human body, it's the best working machine you've ever seen. Oh the yeah, most advanced uh, neurologically, electronically. You know, going along with everything inside of you, it's so advanced. There's no way, in my mind, someone might be able to explain it, but I just gonna go ahead and believe that it happened on purpose, and it happened by a creator. There was an intelligent design. We may behind get it, it. Yeah, we may get into my uh, language thing a little bit later. I think that was. I heard that. And it's like I'm going to use this until I die. <laughs> it's just so it because you get people to agree about it. You take them step by step, and then you ask them the mic drop question at the end. And it's like you've already agreed with everything else. What you can't deny it. And <laughs> a lot of people that feel like they're naturalists or atheists or agnostics. We'll still don't, agree with they don't really they don't really feel that way. They just want to live, like Casey said, a consequence free life. I they want like, to feel like they can do what they want. I feel like it sometimes makes people feel intellectually superior too. It makes like, them feel smart. I'm so smart. I think that the world was created when two rocks crash together and everything happens by chance. That's well, great. I'm glad you're intelligent. 
but you're making a stupid decision. And that's one thing that like we we're talking about with a Christian worldview. We put everyone's on the same level. Right. We're either yeah. we're all gonna die, every one of us. We'll never take anything we have with us to our turn of destination. Only the things we've done for Christ will matter in the end. And that's what we believe. Mm-hmm. So we can't put anybody above. Obviously, we know there's people that are smarter than us. Yeah. You know, but we still I feel way smarter than me. You know, it says once uh, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord, then comes judgment. And we all believe we'll face that. Yeah. So there's no reason to put anybody over anybody. And with a naturalist or agnostic or an atheist view, like Casey says, it makes you feel like or makes them feel like they're up above or shooting it over our head. And we're just dumb hillbillies that believe that God created everything. <laughs> Seriously, Casey. I know. It's just the dumb hillbillies. Do we want to move on to man on this or? <laughs> well, as funny as it may sound, Casey, it's it's true. We have this simplistic way of believing, you know, we have the simplistic way of living, you know, and I guess dumb hillbilly isn't the the way we should do it. We should put it as simple type of man and easy to believe. We do, we're not trying to figure out our way. We are smart enough to believe that this is the way. Keep it simple, stupid. Yes. That's yeah. how I feel about it. Well, in, Why overcomplicate things? Well, in John, it says, G- Jesus clearly tells us, I am the way the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I'm just smart enough, I guess, to Not hurt that. yourself trying to think too much about it. Right. I don't want to try to explain my way around that or try to believe differently. I think that that's, that's good enough for me. It's, it's pretty cut and dry because that's the difference between when you see something that's true versus something that someone's kind of come up with. Right. The simplest arguments... Not only do they leave the least room to maneuver around, yeah, they have the least chance of being diluted or changed later on. You know, if you have this whole two paragraph long statement that builds up to what you got to do, you can kind of filter things in and out, pick and choose what you want. But when you got the "I am the way, the truth, and the life," and it ends there, there's no room to really put anything else there in place of it. So we just clarified just a second ago that we believe that there are people, they're not higher than us, but they are more intelligent than us. We're not stupid enough to believe otherwise. We don't put them at a different level. But here's my thought on a simple type phrase like that or simple way of believing. You can hit every um, group of people with simple because people who are super intellectual and can talk super intellectually, you know, and say these smart things, it will go over some of our heads. But when you keep it down low, the intellectual people can understand the a 12th grader can understand what a kindergartner is learning. A kindergartner cannot understand what a 12th grader is learning. It's right. not their pace. Exactly. But when you keep it simple, stupid like that. Like, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, no man come to the Father but by me. That's easy enough for everybody to believe. Right. And even, you know, looking at it through a scientific viewpoint, I guess, in a way, whenever you're looking at something in science, like an experiment or an idea, um, a theory, generally, when you're looking at something, the outcome that is the least varied, what is the same over and over, the least amount of variables, is the one that you would believe is correct. Right. 
So in this situation, you know, the same outcome over and over, the least amount of variables, the least amount of things that can go wrong, accepting Jesus Christ, that's all you have to do. Right. You think that would be the most intelligent answer to look at instead of looking at all of these complex variables based on their own thinking, really. Based on chance. So that's one thing I was laughing because that ties in directly to one of my my notes I found when I was studying this is that the worldviews that are more prevalent today like to tell you that science and faith can't work together. They can't talk to each other. They're, they're mutually exclusive for right. lack of better terms. But you think about schools and colleges. Yeah. Um, there was a gentleman named uh, Columbanus who lived in the 500s and 600s, and he founded a lot of monasteries. Those monasteries or churches became libraries and then became the first universities. Right. So all the learning centers then stemmed from the church to start with. Oh, it gets even better. You're going to like this one, uh, this one a lot, Patty. There was another guy who was a professor at Oxford in the 11 to 1200s. Just for fun, his name was uh, Robert Grossetesti, and it means fathead, so he was Professor Fathead, to use what I heard that mean. <laughs> and he taught science at Oxford University, you know, prestigious college, which, by the way, also came from a monastery first. Scientific teacher. And he taught, these are some of the scientific statements that he said, and they were in their lessons and in the things that they taught at Oxford, which is still held as one of the best prestigious, universities prestigious, yeah. for any type of, well, higher learning, like doctors, science, and things like that. Scientific statements like, God really exists, and he made the world in an orderly fashion so that we can observe it, and our observations can make sense, and then we can plan our actions. That's just it. Yeah, I feel like... A lot of the time, science and theology or religion are looking at the exact same thing, coming to the exact same conclusions, but just trying to explain it in a different way, when in reality, they can coexist at the same time. Yes. Yeah, And the other thing I found of all the founders of modern science going back in those times, all but one was a believing Christian. They didn't think it was wrong to try and reason things out scientifically. They felt they could reason things out scientifically because they had the biblical basis for where things came from to start with. And their observations through the scientific methods that they came up with backed up what they were reading biblically. And whenever you look at it, it just compounds everything. You know, scientifically, you look at the complex structure of man or the complex structure of an atom or an element. And that's great from an intellectual standpoint, but you look at the complexity of it and then you look at God and creation and you realize just how amazing it all really is. Right. Medieval Christians were the first ones to come to the understanding that since God made both the world and mankind, man should be able to experiment with nature and understand it better. Yeah. The reality is when we think of all the great achievements of science such as modern medicine and technology, society owes all of these things to Jesus Christ. 100%. Even the knowledge to be able to... To do this. Yeah. You know, we we look at all these things and we're like, well, you know, this, that, and the other, and 
if you look through a Christian lens or a Christian worldview, you'll see Jesus Christ in every, every single, single thing. thing. Do we want my language thing now, Bryce? The one I was kind of telling you about earlier? Sure. Let's see. It. I don't know. We need to probably exempt Bryce from this, but we'll. Tr- so I'll work with you two ladies. Mm, you I can't quit. see me waving at. No, no. <laughs> you, you, you don't get the option. <laughs> Like in uh, the wedding singer, you I hey, have this the is microphone. Slave work. I'm not even listening to every word that I say. <laughs> so, all right. So, let's f- see if you can first agree with this. Languages were designed by somebody, whether it's French, English, Spanish. Somebody had to come up with a way to describe something so someone else would understand. Like I use the example when I was talking to Bryce. Someone had to come up with the word table and get everyone to associate table with this object i try not to think about it because it trips me out but i agree yes you agree okay bryce also agreed by the way yeah he's smart i figured he did it's easy to agree okay so now we understand and language will only describe a table only describe a table no matter what else you say with it it just maybe it becomes a wooden table or it becomes a metal table but it will always be a way to describe a table it can only be one thing based on a language that was created. Right. So a man or or woman or somebody had to create that. Yeah. All right. So now the next step. Um, computer programming is a code. You code it to make specifically one thing. It will only show, like in the Apple software, the coding for how I have the Bible on the one side and my notes on the other will only show that. Because it's a, it tells it, in this window, display this app. In this window, display this. Coding also has to be designed. Right. Correct? I, I'm w- looking for more than a nod from you, Casey. I wasn't nodding. I was biting my fingernail, first oh. of all. <laughs> but you can agree. Second of all, I was also doing binary code with my hand with the zeros and the ones because yes. I know what that is, even if I don't understand it. But I do agree with you. Patty? Yes, I agree. And also, if you look into programming, they call it, they don't call it a code. They call it a programming language. So again, languages have to have someone to create it. You know, Steve Jobs and all these guys, someone first had to write the first code to get it to display the things it does. Okay. So we're on the all in agreement that languages are created. Right. A computer code is a language, so also created. Right. And he actually mentioned this before I started to mention it, even though he didn't know where I was going with this. Oh, I knew where you were going. Well, I don't. Human DNA. We oh, refer to it as the genetic code. code. The way things go, the coding for a arm will only make an arm. ACTG. Yep. So would you agree that the genetic code is a language. Yes. Yeah. Because just like any other language, whether it's computer code, whether it's that, or whether it's the English language, it can only describe one thing. It can only produce one thing. Right. Right. So now here's what I was calling the the mic drop question. If languages are created by somebody and a code is a language and our DNA is a code, should it not have also have a creator? Yes. It does. It does. Right. 
So I already agreed with that before we went through. I know, this. I but it's like, just, I, just I, an example. I, yeah, I heard someone put that as a way to get someone to agree, and it's like they're all the way down as they're agreeing. There's nothing that they can disagree. Like, yeah, 100 percent, because it doesn't matter what textbook or anything you do, everything agrees. This is what it is. But then when you get to the last questions where it's like they get the little blank face, like there's they've already admitted yes to all this. It's like, right. The only logical answer is yes to that, but they don't necessarily want to say yes. Because then they have to welcome in everything that comes with that. Because if somebody had to create the genetic code, you have to listen to the one that created it. Like, this Apple stuff won't work on a PC without some other code to go between it. It only works for the Apple stuff. It right. only works for what it was created for. Right. So if we had the DNA code, it's only going to work for what it was created for. Correct. Or who created it. Right. Ooh. That's the one thing that gets me about, you know, God, he is gracious enough to allow us to go against what we've been created, you know, or how we've been created, and even to come up with these other worldviews. But it's because we're not robots and we're not computers, you know, that have a specific coding. I know that's a great example, but I'm so thankful that I have the ability to say yes, you know, and God has given me the mind to. Right. And even like you were saying, you know, certain products or certain codes don't work with one that so they're not compatible with. It'll never work. It'll throw each other out. Something will go wrong. God's gracious enough to not only allow us the ability to decide to live against how we're created, but to keep us while we are also. Right. Amen. Yeah, but at the end, is if you keep going against what you've been created for, you get another thing you weren't created for. Right. You know? Hell is not created for us. It was created for Satan and his angels, the one-third of heaven that fell with him. And if you go against the code that you have been designed to go with, you will make it to judgment, and you'll make it to hell if you're not careful. Right. Both go somewhere. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. there's, There's no getting out of eternity. Right. Eternity doesn't end. Everything goes to eternity. It's just going back to the, the beginning, sheep or goat. Right. Well, and that's one of the things, too, that I've seen with the world, with a secular worldview, whether it be naturalist, polytheist, you know, all the other ists, you know, that there can be. You're, you, they don't believe a lot of the times that there is eternity. They believe that life ends when you close your eyes and that's it. With monotheism or Christianity, we believe in one God as a trinity. If you believe that, you believe that there is eternity. And that's one of the biggest differences, I think, between a secular worldview and a Christian worldview. And a lot of that also, one of the things that talked about was the values that everybody has depending on your worldview. Right. Here's one thing to think of. If you want to talk about, say, evolution. Yeah. There is no evolutionary necessity for marriage. There is no evolutionary necessity for morals, for right right and wrong. Right. Because you have that fight or flight response. Yep. So you're going to react one way, left or right to anything that happens. Yeah. But it doesn't, there's nothing that tells each individual animal that this is the only way that's right out of those two. Yeah. Naturally, it's like, whichever way I react is going to be, whichever way helps me is going to be the right way. But it doesn't make that right for everybody. Right. 
but then we go back to our worldview. There is a right and there, and there is, is a wrong. wrong. Right. And it doesn't matter if we disagree with it or not. It doesn't <laughs> right. change. It, it doesn't it, change. It's going to happen. I say it all the time. It's like the funny thing about the truth is it doesn't require you to believe it to be true. Right. Right. One of my favorite sayings is facts don't care about your feelings. That's right. Mm-hmm. You can believe it or you can not believe it. And I'm simple enough to say it that way. You can believe it or not. It doesn't matter. It is still right, and that is still wrong. This is still the truth. That's still a lie. And even speaking about morals and values, even more evidence towards the fact that Christianity is the one true worldview, regardless of where somebody's from, regardless of the religion or lack of, therefore, that they were brought up in, everybody knows what's right and what's wrong intrinsically. Right. You don't have to tell somebody it's wrong to heal somebody. Right. I mean, short of, you know, people who are a little bit... Psycho. White, whacked in the head. Yeah. Um, They've been touched, some people would say. (laughs) Not in the right way. No. Yeah. You don't have to tell somebody that it's wrong to steal. Even little kids, you don't have to teach them that. They know they shouldn't take something that's not theirs. Right. So if Christianity tells you, you know... This is the way to live. This is the way to be right. And it's intrinsically already in everybody, regardless of their environment and their upbringing. That'd make you think, well, maybe this is something that's supposed to be where we're moving towards, is my thought. We literally have laws against this. Right. Against these same things. For a reason. Where do you think they came from? We just one day woke up and was like, yeah, we're going to stop killing people. And that's the thing. When you look at like the world, the, the I'm going to just call it the worldview. Right. As in the, the world's, world's worldview. The world's view. Um which is going to be our number two. Number one is the, the biblical worldview. Right. Um, it's a lot of them don't make sense. And then also you look at like the documents that we have for the way we run our country. 700 years later, we're trying to say we know better than the people that wrote it. And they're like, well, like I told a surprise, they're probably like, well, if they were raised now, this is what they'd say. It's like, no, if they're raised now, they'd probably slap you upside your head because they still believe in corporal punishment, tell you what you were wrong, show you where you were, what was right. Right. And they wouldn't care if they upset you or hurt your feelings. Mm-mm. Hurt feelings last a whole lot less than a hurt eternity. Oh, that's true. Yep. So that's one thing why we're stressing this so strongly. You it's know, important. It's very important. This is li- This is eternity in heaven or eternity in hell. And I feel like you have to have, have stern, strong beliefs that are biblically backed, that are factual according to the Bible, and I I believe you should stand up and say it. Absolutely, because people's lives are at stake. Yes, and you it's know. not a case of feeling superior or wanting to press, you know, our personal beliefs or anything. It's really care more than anything. Well, and it's taking our personal beliefs out of the perspective right. and just showing what the Bible says to do. Yeah, and you know it's not easy for anybody. No, you ask anybody that's whether they're a pastor or whether they're not. Doesn't matter what their position in the church is. It's not easy. No, there's no quick fix. Nope. It is a process. lifelong process. Yep. Yeah, and it's um, work every day. Yeah, I mean, Paul said, "I die daily." Right. Guy who wrote thirty-seven percent, I believe, is what I found of or more of the New Testament. Guy who knew the scriptures in and out, yeah, finally found the reason for the scriptures and still was preaching the same thing. And he still had to apologize and repent every day for things he did. He, and I don't believe he was repenting for past things. No, I'm pretty I'm new pretty, things. Yeah, 
for new things, you know, because things as you go along will be revealed to you. You'll understand them in a new light and you'll be like the things they, they won't be big things either. You know, the big things are the things you work on first. You know, you work on taking these things out and you progress daily. You go along daily in this process. And then you'll get to a point where you don't struggle with the big things or little things that God's like, hey, you need to work on being kind, more kind. You need to work on being more caring towards people. You need to work on having love towards people, not towards what they're doing, you know, because that's there's a different category there. But yeah. love to try to help them get away from what they're doing. Love the person, not the sin. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what it is. So like, you know, these things that these like come from these worldviews, they don't happen overnight and they don't happen by accident. Mm-hmm. One thing I've got written down here is is every idea is a seed. Yeah. And we talked about the parable of uh sowing the seed, different grounds, different things. It's still the same seed. Right. But you could be planting in the fertile good ground. Bad seed's gonna grow there too. Oh yeah. It doesn't matter what seed is in that bag. If it's ground that's conductive to growing something, it's going to grow there. It does not matter. It doesn't care what kind it is. So it's not It's not an accident. So let me ask you guys this question. You know, we always hear the saying, not the saying, but it's a scripture, God is love. Um, you should, you can tell you're my disciples by the love you have one for another. Basically, love your love your neighbor as yourself. There's so many scriptures and basically cliche Christian quotes that go along telling you how to love. Did you know that God, God inspired through his Holy Spirit had John write something that you should not love and you should strongly stay away from? Not He didn't say to hate it, but he said, love not. Just what do you think, Mark? What God would say to love not? Yes, because God, everything, everything you ever heard of, is what he tells you to love. What should you love not? The flesh or iniquity. Okay. I know I should know this too, and I probably do, and I'm drawing a blank. Casey, what what are you Googling right now? Hold on a second. No, I'm not. I was typing something else. What do you think? I'm probably wrong, but my thought is along the same lines of being not prideful. Don't be in your own head. Patty? What's the question again? (laughs) Patty! (laughs) So I was saying, God says to... God is love. Love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, for God so loved the world that he gave the, his only begotten son, you know. Um, you should know you're my disciples by the love you have one for another. What's one thing that God inspired John to write that you should love not? Oh, I think I know what it is now. Too bad your tent's so gone. Yeah, it's okay. Love not the world. I don't know. That's not what popped in my head. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Yeah. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not, not in, in him. Yeah. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. That is huge. For for this um, standpoint we're at, this is huge for a, a huge basis for us. The world is passing away. The world view that everyone else is going to go away one of these days. That's why our Christian world view is so important, and that comes along with using discernment. If you love the the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of man, none of those things are of God. 
But if you do the things that are of God according to his will, using his love, you will not pass away. You will abide with God forever. And this is where it is like the church's job in general is to educate on this. Yeah. To show them a better way. Oh, and that's why so, that's why 90% of the people, you know, well, 81% according to your your study that you had. Yeah. 81% of people don't believe the basics of faith, the basic facts that the Bible lays out for you of faith. And this is what I was going to bring up because she was talking, Casey was talking about how you can see like the good and you should, and you know, inside you what's good and what's not good. Right. Bringing up discernment. There was a quote I found about discernment and it shook to me. It's like, it's the church's role. Yeah. This, this is like, if you ever want a kind of a word for word, one instruction that we can do, this comes from a, I don't, I didn't see that when he wrote this, Charles, Grosvenor Osgood says, but the supreme end of education, we are told, is expert discernment in all things, the power to tell the good from the bad, the genuine from the counterfeit, and to prefer the good and the genuine to the bad and the counterfeit. But we're letting too many worldviews kind of in. Edge in on it. And we're letting, we're making it okay to believe be comfortable. How, right. Believe how you want. Yeah. It's not. It's not Okay. And I think that's uh, we're trying to be cute and love people so much that we love them right to hell. Yeah. We're trying to be so cute with them that we don't tell them that if you do not accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, uh, confess that he is Lord, confess that you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, believe that he was resurrected, believe that his Father sits on a throne, he sits on a throne at his right hand, and the Holy Spirit goes around to comfort and to guide us. Um, you do not repent for your sins, you're going to go to hell. Yeah, there's there's not a third option. There's there there are two. They're laid out. They're laid out multiple times. And I'm not. And I'm sorry. Clearly. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm being pretty blunt about it. But that's the only way to be. You can't. About it. You can't. I'm not going to tiptoe around it and say that you can just work around and make it to heaven this way because that's a lie. Yeah. And your blood is on my hands now. And I'm not going to be responsible. I don't want to. I don't want to have that responsibility for someone going to hell under what I said. And that's like part of what drove me to put what I did for my bio. I don't know if the church page has been updated yet. Yeah. About teaching the truth of the Bible. Yeah. Is sometimes the truth does not feel good. No. Sometimes the truth is a whooping. Yeah. Oh, most of the time. Yeah. Look, one of my favorite sayings is if you value your feelings over honesty, that's your own personal defect. It ain't going to be my problem, though. Right. Bryce, what do I say about feelings? They are not Lord. Jesus is. Amen. <laughs> and it's just that, and this is my honest opinion. Or not, no, not even opinion. This is my honest belief. The reason we have this, and that's the reason I keep, put, like I put in there about teaching the truth, is that. The only ones to blame for the way the world is and what people believe now is not the devil. Mm -mm. It's not his angels, nope. sorry, demons. It's the church. We've let stuff go by for too long, and we have failed to realize how powerful we are, even though we acknowledge any power we have comes from God. But that means that if it, if it's a tool being used by God, his power it's is powerful. Limitless. Yeah. Right. 
There's no plug, no battery. It's going to go. Here's one of the things in our society now. We have such a fear of hurting somebody's feelings or, you know, I'd rather hurt your feelings than let you go to hell. Yeah. And if you don't believe that, I'm sorry that you you don't believe that way. And if you don't want me to talk to you about it, uh, you're probably just going to have to get over it. That's why I like like guys like for their bluntness, like my dad and like, RT, they yeah. they they're of the point where they're just going to tell you how they feel. They're too, they're too old to care, and they didn't care about feelings ever. Right, and they're too old to change. It's like this is how I feel. It's the way I see things. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. Well, and I'm just not I'm not trying to say that I don't care about your feelings. I yeah. do care about how you feel, but I care more about your eternity than exactly. your feelings. Now you'll be a lot happier later on. You know, if you decide that this is the right way, he was right. Not that yeah. I was right, but that the Bible was right. Yeah. But we've we've been careful long enough. Right. And I think an important thing is how it's perceived. If you're looking for an attack, you're going to see what you're, is being said as an attack. Absolutely. But whenever you're looking at it for what it actually is, which is an act of love, you know, not wanting to rock your soul to hell, essentially, to death, right. then you know that nobody's coming at you with the gospel, or they shouldn't be at least— and using it as an attack. Yeah, and it's like if the church had that type of mentality and had it sooner, we wouldn't have a lot of the problems we do. Right. So Matthew 23, 33 says, Ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? O generation of vipers, in Matthew 12, Oh, twelve thirty four says, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak of good things? And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. That that doesn't seem like it's tiptoeing around somebody's feelings, if you ask no. me. Nope. A lot of them don't. Like, I can even go, like, I had some verses I looked up. If you want any uh, biblical reference for why you ignore the... We're going to just lump all the others into that second worldview as a non-biblical worldview. You can look even into Romans 12, too. It says, and be not conformed to this world. It's like, don't pay attention to it. This isn't the model. This is what you, isn't what I want you to follow. Right. Don't listen to it. It said, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If you're listening to society and everything that's going around you, you're giving more attention to that than where you need to put. And that's the thing also. It says by renewing your mind, whatever you read is going to renew your mind that way. Right. Yep. Well, one of the things that I want to point out about the scriptures that I just read, um, Matthew 23, 33, to be specific, it's Jesus talking. And he was talking, he was talking to the scribes and the Pharisees at this point, but he's telling, he's, Bluntly telling somebody, telling these people who have, they got a religious worldview, which we talked about last week, is different from a Christian worldview. Exactly. They're two different things because religion tells you uh, you have to do this and you have to make this move. But Christianity says, come unto me, all you are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Bring your hurt and your sorrow and your pain to Jesus. Leave it, leave it all there, and he'll take care of you. So... He's not tiptoeing around how they feel. I don't feel like I just reading this, and I might be reading into it. Hopefully, I'm reading out of it, but 
He wasn't worried about the scribes and the Pharisees' feelings at this point. We've tiptoed around them long enough. Yeah, and that's what I will say. Some of these other worldviews we looked into, that's one thing, like, I want to point out, like, we talked about secularism. Yeah. And each of them also has their view about what's what's the reason for all the problems in the world. And this is one point where I'll say that the secularists have this right. And this is going to be based off purely off of how we talked about last week about religion versus relationship and how religion is the bad and relationship is the right way. The secularists say that religion is the reason for all of our problems in the world, and I couldn't agree with anyone that's wrong on everything else any more than that. Right. Religion has been a big problem, and that's what Jesus was combating in his life and his ministry on this earth. He was combating one of the biggest religious groups or the biggest religious group at the time. The Pharisees. Yeah, still still basically is. But just to go back to what I was talking about, Romans 116, everybody knows it. Yep. Everyone's heard it. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We ought to take that, put it, put it in our heart, and go forward and say, look, you can believe what you want to believe. I can't change how you believe. Mm-hmm. Here's what I can do. I believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is powerful. I believe it will change your eternal destination. I want to help you. I can't make you receive that help. But here's 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 what I'm going to say. I'm sick of being scared to talk about it. I'm sick of being scared of someone's feelings about it. If I hurt your feelings when I say that, I'm sorry. But if you take what I say into consideration and don't end up in hell, you might be happy that I hurt your feelings. That's true. So the next thing I want to talk about is what a Christian worldview looks like. What are some things that stand out to you that you should be looking for as a Christian using your Christian worldview? Being able to give hope. Because you look at so many of those worldviews, there's so many negative things. Absolutely. And they don't have really a positive outlook on what happens like when you die. Right. Um, And even the ones that have some sort of outlook don't really have a positive outlook. Um, There was, I was reading into uh, Islam. Yeah. The people there that die, they don't know if they go to heaven until Allah decides. So they could do everything right according to their belief and faith and still not go to heaven. It's kind of like a, it's like, it's a coin flip. It's like, do yeah. I get to go or do I not? Yeah, yeah. They don't, nothing they do, even if they live by the letter of their law guarantees anything. Thanks, Mark. You brought up a very valid point there. We should always be available to give hope because there's not much out there. Casey, what do you feel is a good, a good way to view the world as a Christian? I think at the very basis, you know, faithfully, I know we talked about simplicity earlier a little bit, but that is truly my greatest comfort is knowing that I don't have to figure it out. I don't right. have to have the answers. I don't have to reason everything out just simply because I have faith in a creator and everything that is going on is in some way or another either already a part of his will to be worked for my good, or even if it's not, it can be worked towards my good. Right, that we... 
there's stuff that is out of our control. Right. And us being as smart as we can be still won't know everything. Mm-hmm. And being as dumb as we are, we don't have to. Right. And I, that's a that's a big hope. That's a that that is a hope. You know that we don't have to understand everything. We don't have to know everything. We literally just have to understand that we don't, like she says, don't know it, and we can understand that we can point to somewhere and someone that does that does know it and explains it perfectly. It's, it's written there, and a lot of times it's written in red. So you've got someone you're, that's speaking from authority on that one. I'm not stupid or prideful enough to try to say that I've got the answers to things. Right. I'd much rather refer to somebody who does. Yeah. Right. Or and differ. A book that does. The Bible. Yes. Which we believe is the inspired An, word. Inspired, inerrant word of God. And unchanging, too. He, God's unchanging. His word's unchanging. It was true for the people back 2,000 years ago. It's true for us. Yes. So... All right. Heaven and, heaven and earth shall pass away. These words shall not. They words will not. All righty, Patty. How do you think a Christian should view the world? I think they should view the world as in uh, loving one another, loving your brethren. Yeah. Um, treating them fairly, treating them with love and kindness. Um, it says in uh, Matthew twenty five forty five. it says, Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye did not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into the life eternal. And it feels like we have to treat each other with kindness, respect, and love because that's what he showed us when he gave his life for us. And he even goes as far as say, love your neighbor as yourself. That's one thing. It's a basic principle of Christianity. Um, but he went as far as to say to pray for those who despitefully use you. Mm-hmm. That's hard. That's so that's hard for the natural mind to so countercultural to the way we live now. Right. And if we live for Christ, we have the discernment of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Absolutely. And that's when we have to take that mindset that we have to love one another, pray for them, that the Lord will reveal Himself to them, even when they're not good to us. Right. But it'll change their hearts. Probably even more so when they're not. That's when you really show your Christianity is when it's not easy or it's not fun or it's not cute or there's nothing to gain, you know? And that's one of the things that we were talking about just off air with with loving the least of these. You don't get any benefit out of taking care of someone who has nothing. Right. They get the benefit out of it. We're not looking to gain anything out of, you know, because a lot of people who are higher up, you know, in societal classes, you want to be their friend because of what you can get from them. When right. you take care of the least of them, you want to be their friend for real. Mm-hmm. And and you should feel, obviously, as Christians, we view everyone as equals, you know. But with that being said, we're not in it for what we can get out of it. We're in it for what we can put into it and send somebody. And that's what we should be looking for, for souls to save. Absolutely. Through Christ Jesus. Right. If we do it for the least of them, that means we have to make them equal to us. And how is that? By asking Jesus into their hearts. Absolutely. That's that the makes difference everyone between equal. us and them who we're trying to help to right. see the clear clarity of it. Right. And if you want any more proof that we're all on the same level— we got that handy dandy little use all verse of for all have sinned. sinned. So if you're part of that all, you're also part of the 
have sinned. Right. right. So if you're part of the all, everything that's behind or everything that's after it belongs yeah, to you. Because it's the for all. Okay, so for all is who? And afterwards is what did all of us do? We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. So I've asked all of you, I want Mark to ask me a question. What do you think is a good example of part of a Christian or biblical worldview? So I've been thinking about this, and I feel like we should view this world as fleeting or passing away. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 31, it says, uh, They that use this world as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passeth away. This world is not eternal. It's not going to last forever. And neither will the people in it. Us naturally, we it says it's once appointed for man to die. Every one of us is going to face this. And the crazy or unique part about facing death is we don't know when it's going to happen. Probably be scared to death if you did. Um, but you laugh, but it's true. You know, if if we look at it in that perspective, that the earth is going to pass away, we're going to pass away. The people we're talking to are going to pass away, and there is real eternity, um, heaven or hell, heaven or hell. You know, we just have to look at it as if this is not as if truly you might only have one opportunity to witness to somebody. You might, this might be the only chance you get with that one person, you know, before they reach eternity. You never know what tomorrow brings. And there's even another one that goes with that, um, James 4.14. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that peereth for a little time and then vanish away, vanisheth away. You know, exactly. It's, it's not going to be permanent. You're not here forever. Exactly. You don't know how much of an impact. We have a small amount of time to make an impact. Not for our name, but for Jesus' sake. That's part of our Christian view. But we have to look at this world as it's on a, a ticking, it's like a ticking time bomb or a hourglass that is very swiftly running out of sand. I believe that we're living in some sort of the last day, whether it be the last day of this earth till Jesus come back or our last day, you know, um, every there's sayings, you know, in the secular world that's live like you're dying. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's bring that over to the Christian side, put some good Christian values behind it and live like you're dying, witness like you're dying, witness like it's your last one. Tell people that Jesus Christ is the way, like it's the last day that you have to live. Live every day as if you are going to die that day. Put as much into it as you can. Put as much benefit to others as you can through Christ, towards Christ, and for Christ. Can we take a step further instead of you know doing it like it's your last day? Tell it to them like it's their last day. Right. You know, a lot of people want to go to the bedside, you know, and tell people that they need to love Jesus, you know, at the hospital. Who knows what tomorrow brings? Life is but a vapor. And uh, think of it like this way, because I'm a nerd, I do. Look at, um, we look at the moon. Moon's roughly a certain size, and yet it still gets hit by these small little comets and asteroids, but they leave a mark you can still see. Right. You can tell something had an impact. Absolutely. Even if you don't see the person that talked to you, the people that see that, see you, can see the impact someone else had on you. And you can do the same thing. 
you'll truly be able to see an impact if you walk through those pearly gates and they're standing there. And I believe that you'll be able to get to see the fruits of your labor. You know, if you have prophesied and witnessed to people and tried your best to live honestly in front of them, live in a Christian way in front of them, be a Christian to them, not for what you can get out of it or what you can gain, but for what you can get them to. Um, I believe you'll be able to see that when you get to heaven, be like, hey, you prayed for me when I was sick or when I was here, and it left such an impact that you get to see it today. You know, I believe I believe that. And even more so, maybe there's a line behind them. You can see the person that you had an impact on who then had an impact on somebody else right. who had an impact on somebody else. But I think if it were to have a shape, every impact would have a shape of the cross because that's the Absolutely. only impact that we can have on somebody anyway is an impact that leads them to the cross and to Jesus. That is the only impact that's going to matter. That will last. That's the only one. It's like the like I said, the little comet on the moon. It's the only impact that people will be able to see and tell what's different. Absolutely. With that, I'd like to thank you guys for joining in with us. It's been a wonderful time here in the studio. We've had a ton of laughs, a lot of good time, a lot of fun, building great friendships and great rapport with one another. And feel like we're doing our best to push the gospel of Jesus Christ to every living creature. Maybe one of these days we'll get to do a baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to deserve all things that I have taught you. That is a great commission. I appreciate you guys for being a part with us. And with that, I'd like to say love you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Ready to Preach. We hope that something that has been said today will aid you in your journey both in Christianity and in the pursuit of becoming ready to preach. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please reach out to us on our Facebook page, Redemption Church, and share us with your friends. If you have any questions for us or topics you would like for us to discuss, we can be reached through the Facebook's direct message or in the comments section of our posts about the podcast. We look forward to you tuning in next week.